Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Timothy Michael McKernan, Action Jackson with you here on this presentation. And Jackson, we have a critical situation in these studios today, and that is the Masters is up on the television right above your head, and I'm going to be a little distracted. I don't know how to handle this. I didn't know it until I walked in here 12 seconds ago. And uh, yeah, that is that's going to be a little a little problematic. Well, if uh, you ever find yourself like locked in, maybe Tiger's about to you know knock down a birdie putt, just kind of put your hand up, and I'll just start going off on you know is Luka Doncic a leader? Can he lead oh, nice. a team okay. to a Western Conference championship? And I'll you know give my takes. Wow, I'll just mix them intermittently, and I'll pick up where I left off the last time. Wow. Okay. Well, I kind of like this. It sounds like now we have a fail-safe plan. You're welcome to get involved with the fail-safe plan. Three one four three nine 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 six four six. That's three one four. Three nine 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 six four six Air Comfort Service text line. Leave a mic drop. One hundred one ESPN app is how you can leave the mic drop. As we will be with you for an hour here on the program, and uh, and then lead into BK and Ferrario coming up at eleven o'clock, ladies and gentlemen. It is Thursday, and that means we have the Lil Piddles Thursday Throwdown. That's a good one. I'm definitely going to save that and use it next week. Uh, but this week is Professor Piddles Questionnaire. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. classes and sessions. So uh, let's get it started. Let's get it started right now, Tim. Let's get it started. Black Eyed Peas, not, uh, 2004? That sounds right. That's a I great song. I feel like song. they played that for the 2004 Cardinals. You think that's a great song? I didn't really care for it. Oh, I mean, you have to remember what I, age I was when I first heard that. You're five. You know, and then when it was very popular throughout, you know, let's get it started. All right. No, I want you to finish that because I really, because for a moment I was like, oh, did Fergie fill in? And the B keys run in, run in, and run in, run in. Yeah, that song's fire. So sick. Thank that you. Was so sick. What did you think of Ali Marmol doubling down on his statements from Tuesday? And on top of that, Mosellock seemingly, while acknowledging that he probably would prefer to stay in the room, echoing the same sentiment. Well, he didn't probably wish he said. He said he wished it would have stayed in the room. <laughs> did you just ad lib that in the fly? Well, no, he, because in the audio he says like I, you know, you can keep that interpretation behind closed doors, and then he basically interpreted it on on the air. So it kind of seemed like he was. Well, let's hear what he had to say. Sure, I'll pull up the audio. Thank you very right much. Now. It's courtesy of the fine people at uh, Bally's uh, Sports Midwest. Nice this is John Mozeliak. So this is Mozeliak okay. from yesterday. I'm pulling it up right now. Give me one moment. Oh, I apologize. Well, I was I was reading in the St. Louis Post Dispatch this morning. Uh, Derek Gould's story, I believe it was Derek Gould's story on it. I apologize if it was not. I will get the correct uh, the correct person 
uh, if it was not Derek, it was Derek who wrote the story. And uh, what he wrote was John Mazalak uh, expressed to Valley Sports Midwest a wish that these conversations had remained within the clubhouse. Uh, and then Tyler O'Neill said, I'm giving it my best effort every time. I got up through the minor leagues and into the big leagues by playing hard and playing scrappy. That's who I am. That's my character. And I don't ever want anyone to take that away from me. You know, these conversations definitely could have been held in-house or had in-house and not gotten out on the loose like they have. Should have been handled a little differently, in my opinion. But who's to say? That's Tyler O'Neill. Um, so this is John Mazalak. Yes, okay. this is Mozalek. So a little early season drama hey, it's the cat. can be a good thing. I'm with John Mazalak. John, the play at home play last night, post-game comments from Ali and, and Tyler O'Neill. How do you weigh in on this? Well, I think, you know, the one thing we always try to think about here with the St. Louis Cardinals is when we play, we play 100%. Like, you, you go hard. And, you know, I certainly understand players that are trying to think through 162 and, and trying to manage, like, their energy and their load and how we think about it. But as a team, we try to help them do that, too. So when you're in a game, expectations are high. Expectations are that you go full throttle. And, you know, if there's a debate or interpretation of, of how that was last night, um, I think we'll try to keep that inside the club clubhouse doors, but my take on this is Cardinals play it one way and you try to play it the right way. It's a balance with Tyler. He wants to stay on the field. That's his main goal because when he's there, he's productive and I know you guys are for that. But generally speaking, he's he's a hustling type player, isn't he? Yeah, I think so. But, you know, when you look back at, at his career, um, he's trying to manage how he gets through that 162. But as I just said, you know, this is about when you're out there, you're going full throttle and you know, I don't want to like re-debate what people thought they saw or didn't see. What we know is what we know. And, um, you know, I know what we expect for the Cardinals. That is uh, courtesy of Bally Sports Midwest. That was Jimmy the Cat Hayes, along with John Mazelak, uh, with the uh, pregame yesterday before the Cardinals were swept by the Atlanta Braves. So with regards to that, uh, Mazelak clearly wishes that would not have gotten out. Also sounds like, uh, I'm reading between the lines on this one, that this is something that they believe O'Neill has made, uh, I don't know what the right word would be, has done before, mm-hmm. and that he manages his 162 games because of his uh, issue. Well, this is five games into the season, and if you had a problem with his effort, then perhaps he shouldn't have been the starting center fielder, because unless he was dogging it the first four games of the season, you knew that this was something that he did. It just gets down to this. I don't believe the right way to lead is to question people's effort. You want to address, say, Miles Michaelis didn't have it today. We know he is much better than that. We know he's much better than that. But today he didn't have it, and we're confident he'll have it. But today he didn't have it, and that's a, it's a tough spot when we're behind three straight games against a really good lineup like the Atlanta Braves. But you're not questioning his effort. And that's what I'm specifying, you're questioning his effort in a public forum when you did handle it behind the scenes, but then you still go out there, and, and then you've heard Mazalak say it now and Tyler O'Neill say it now. That's the issue we had with it. So that's where I am coming from on it. Yep. Very fair. All right, moving on. Uh, small sample size, but it seems evident that the pitching staff is holding this team back. First question, what do you think is— Well, you are a takesmith this morning with that. Yeah, yeah. They call me Mr. Chalk. and um... They call you Mr. Chalk? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Professor Chalk today. Um what do you think is like some of the 
factors into that? What do you think is causing this? Could it be new catcher? Uh, could it be that they've played two very good teams? I mean, it's not out of their the, own possibility oh, to say that. No, period. Yeah. That 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 would be this if this were going against like the Pirates and Reds or one of the other twelve teams that's decided not to participate this year, you would go, what the hell? But the difference here, Jackson, is this was something that was talked about in October, in November, in December, in January, and February, which is the Cardinal starting rotation, and it came on the heels of the Cardinals letting Quintana walk without much of an effort, and then in addition. Uh, the the president of baseball operations saying that they were going to increase the payroll. And then the time comes, and the payroll, by the letter of the law, has increased. But I believe, truly believe, that the plan to increase the payroll um, was to increase it much more substantially than they did. I am of the opinion, and I will take this theory with me uh, wherever I may go, that they were planning on acquiring either one of the Blue Jays catchers or, I think more specifically, the catcher from the A's, who's now with the Braves, Sean Murphy. Uh, If they weren't, and they were always sold on Wilson Contreras, then you would not have had multiple reports about the Cardinals and the negotiations with the A's and the Cardinals and the negotiations with the Blue Jays. So once it became clear that the asking price was beyond their comfort level to make that trade, they then had to pivot to sign Contreras and then allocate free agent dollars to Contreras, which I believe were going to go another direction. And you could certainly say one of those directions would have been a high-caliber pitcher. So you wouldn't have been in a spot where you only have these five arms and Woodford. And then in addition, you wouldn't be in a spot where you're only having one pitcher signed beyond 2023, as was the case up until the Michaelis extension. I think the Bally situation, I think the market shift, and I think the fact that they were not able to acquire a catcher through trade, which was step number one for the Cardinal offseason, threw off October, November, December, January, February, and March, and now we're seeing it play out with a very shaky rotation in April. The difference here is that Cardinal fans, much like the Perron situation for Blues fans, saw this coming. And when you see it, and two of the starts are with Michaelis, and one of the starts is an odd start from Jack Flaherty. I mean, again, zero runs, zero hits, but seven walks. Um, And then Steven Matz has the issues he has. Woodford, who was raved about in spring training, has the issues he has. Uh, One guy had what would be considered a good start, and it wasn't like it was glowing. It just was solid, and Jordan Montgomery... That was going to add more fuel to the fire about the Cardinals starting rotation. But you're exactly right. You're going against two of the best lineups in baseball. I would say it's two of the top five lineups in baseball. So you'll get the Brewers this week in Milwaukee. And uh, Miles Michaelis has gone twice. And he might have been soft hit to death on opening day, but he was hard hit to death yesterday. Yeah, he got hammered yesterday. Uh, Following up on that. How do you think the Cardinals will handle it if this issue with the pitching persists? How do you? Th- how soon do you think they'll make a move for a pitcher? What's that timetable look like in your mind? Well, Ken Rosenthal wrote this morning, which is another reason why you don't air uh, dirty laundry regarding effort in public, that this might be a time for the Cardinals to look at trading Tyler O'Neill. You know, the guy they named starting center fielder a week ago before the season had started. Um, because there is a surplus, theoretically, of outfielders for the Cardinals and then potentially a surplus of middle infielders, and they may need to trade them for pitching, something we discussed during spring training. But we weren't necessarily discussing O'Neill 
at that time. So uh, Ken Rosenthal writing this morning on The Athletic that with Ali Marmol calling out Tyler O'Neill's effort, it could become clear that the Cardinals should move on from Tyler O'Neill. The issue with that is, number one, you'd be making a trade, and it's April. That isn't great, because a lot of teams don't like to send messages to their fans that they're shutting it down, even though many teams have made it clear <laughs> that they weren't engaged anyway. And then secondarily, if you are selling at the low value mark, then obviously your return is limited. And so by calling out a guy's effort publicly, clearly you're not happy with him, and therefore you're looking to unload him, and therefore the team you'd be doing business with wouldn't be real apt to give you much in return. And which team at this moment is looking to trade a starter that the Cardinals would go, good, we'll put them in the rotation, and now we will put so-and-so out of the rotation. Who's it going to be? Who are they going to move out of the rotation? I know Montgomery's not signed after this year, and Flaherty's not signed after this year. They're not going to move them out of the rotation. Michaelis is going to be in there, uh, and Matz is going to be in there, and Wainwright's going to be in there within the next couple of weeks. He sounds very optimistic when he talks to Randy Carey and Brooke in the morning. So... What are you going to do? And that is the thing about tending to this stuff in the offseason, which is why I keep hammering on whatever took place between October and March was not what the Cardinals were planning on. I still don't think they were planning on signing Contreras. And I don't think they sure as hell were planning on signing him to the deal they signed him to, as in the magnitude of the deal. All right, we're already uh, late for our first break. I'm going to try to keep us on track today. You are welcome to text in anytime, 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service text line. The back half of the Lil Piddles. Uh, Professor Piddles questionnaire. Wow, uh, that is coming up uh, here on Balloon Party. Driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. This is Balloon Party. Driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. My name is Tim McKernan, and that is Action Jackson. We welcome you to participate in the program by texting in 314-399-9646, Air Comfort Service text line. We are in the midst of the Lil Professor Piddles. Close enough. Thank you. You got it. All right, we're going to go, uh, hello, friends. We're heading to Augusta. Well, um, it's always wonderful to be there where Kevin Na decided eight holes was plenty this morning. He WD'd, uh, which is great for those of us who had him on 18 of our daily fantasy sports rosters. Yeah. God almighty. Why did I have him on 18 of my 96 rosters anyway? What was that about? Well, I can. We're not. We're not results oriented in this studio. That's right. We all. We we don't kink shame. No, we do not. We're pro liberty. Absolutely. And we're not results oriented. Yep. And you can go. Okay, we have ninety six rosters. Why is the man on twenty percent of your rosters anyway? And I don't have an answer to that. And I got business partners, and I, I answered. I got a board. I got to see today. Yeah. Yeah. And this board's going to say, I don't care the WD'd. Why was he on 20%? He could have shot the course record. Why was Kevin now on 20% of our rosters? I don't have an answer for him. Except he WD'd because he felt sick. It's Augusta. You play on live. Ah! All I said was hello, friends, and that elicited that. That is called producing. Yep. All right. And it actually works perfectly. So there was no, there's nothing else. You just say hello, friends, and then now it's down to number five. Well, that's, that's called knowing your host. But um, <laughs> do you think we'll see any sparks flare between any live guys and PGA Tour guys, or do you think it'll be a very respectful, cordial tournament? I get the sense that 99% of the players on both sides are cool with each other, but some others may have real bad blood. Do you think we'll see any spillover at Augusta? Well, there are a few players 
who are live players who could indeed create WWE-like drama on Sunday or more likely Monday based on the forecast, but who knows, hopefully Sunday. And that would be two guys who are just one stroke back of the lead right now, friend of the integrity of the game, (laughs) P. Reed, and El Nino, which means the boy, and the boy has been vocal about hating the tour, (laughs) and that is Sergio Garcia. Both P. Reed and Sergio Garcia are currently one back of the lead. And if you had a situation on Sunday where Rory is looking to complete the career Grand Slam, and he is in the final pairing with P. Reed, I don't care what's going on. A lot of people who know nothing about bogeys and birdies will be locked in to that WWE-like theater. Mm. That would be phenomenal. That'd be, that, if I had to like pick the final pairing for Sunday, yeah, what would you pick? P. Reed and Rory. It'd yeah. have to be just to watch them glare at each other. Oh my god, that'd be, be incredible. So hard Sergio would be right there too. Like Dustin Johnson, people are just like, yeah, he's just kind of like whatever right. if somebody said dustin you can't play golf the rest of your life like, fine <laughs> you know it doesn't matter he wants to be on his boat and sailing around in jupiter that's all he really cares about and god bless him he's made hundreds of millions of dollars that's that's the way he's programmed but preed and el nino and then rory and the the issues rory has been uh, straightforward with he's working with sports psychologist bob rotella this week he's worked with him before but because it gets in his head he starts out terribly every augusta him and justin thomas and if he's out there having to deal with that, oh, I don't know if it can happen. Yeah. But man, if it could, give yeah. me that, Jackson. No doubt. Yeah. If I had to rank, it'd be like, obviously, Tiger winning would be my favorite, but Rory getting the career grand slam would be about as good as it gets for me. I love Rory. Uh, Tiger, for the record, is even through two your leaders at the moment. Victor Hovland, whose father worked at uh, what was McDonnell Douglas. Oh, wow. Fun facts for no one tell. Now, Hovland wasn't born in the United States, but his father worked there. And uh, Adrian Moronk, who is a uh, playing in his first ever Masters 2-under. I don't know if Adrian will stick around for the weekend but uh, or for the long haul into the Sunday final pairings. But he is your leader, along with Victor Hovland at this moment. Moronk through eight. Hovland is through Two, he eagled the second hole, the par five. Yes, Jackson, what else do you have for me? I'm uh, still on Kevin Na. I know. Well, I'm actually going to uh, uh, edit my my favorite things to see. Sandy Lyle winning would be my favorite thing. In the suspenders. In the suspe- just to see the suspenders walk down 18. Uh, it's a real kick in the pants that we look to bad weather in Augusta for the Masters. As we both agree, the Masters' experience on television is so much better when it's sunny and green. What are some other sporting events with ideal climates that go along with it. Oh, well, let me take you to a college football Saturday because it's not just about the six hours of the game. (laughs) It's about the tailgate all day long, which is why an 11 o'clock kickoff is so detrimental. And I don't care where it is, unfortunately. We see a lot of them in Columbia, Missouri lately. Uh, But that is what, to me, is what I think of when I think of a perfect weather day. Mm -hmm. The first half of the month of October when the Cardinals are on a run. Yeah. Second half of October, eh. First half of October and like the division series. I mean, think think about the weather last year when uh, Helsley was out there for uh, too long, and then uh, I you know I th- I think about going into this is what I think about in my childhood when the Blues were in the Norris Division. Jackson, what five teams were in the Norris Division in the 1980s? Just to make sure that I'm right. Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah, well, you, you sound like you're asking me. I'm just I'm letting you tell the audience. So the Blackhawks and the Blues, those are two of the five. Whatever Minnesota's team was called back then, 
the North Stars. Look at you. Um, I mean, look at look at this. It's uh, like Steve Levy's in here with me today. I'm trying. Like, I I don't think Columbus would have been Columbus. Right. Is not going to be. They in didn't there. exist then. Right. Which would have been oh, Detroit. Core issue. Yes. And oh my so God, just one this, more. This could be, I would have given you about <laughs> 30 to 1 on being able to do this. I don't think you'll get this one. Uh, is it a Canadian team? I can't give hints, but okay. now you've but already gotten a hint because that's a read right there. You picked it. It was Teddy Toronto, Gage, and the Orioles. Toronto? Yes! Look at this. All of you texters who say Jackson prefers the NBA over the NHL, you're exactly right. Woo! But for that moment, Jackson... And now you will be on the call tonight of the Blues and Rangers. Yep, move over, Curbs. Uh, you'll be in the building tonight. I will. I will. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna. I'm fired up, baby. Watch some puck. So when I think about my 1980s childhood and the Norris Division, which Jackson rattled off with such confidence, there, uh, we would. You know, we're on the South Side. We don't have air conditioning. It's not what we had. I didn't grow up with what you had. You have air conditioning. <laughs> no. We had ice boxes and we had outdoor plumbing and a lantern. I'd have to use a lantern. Yep, a little nightcap. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's what we had. And uh, and we would open the windows in the spring when the Blues would be playing one of those four teams. Four of the five teams made the playoffs, which made me think the regular season was kind of worthless, all due respect. And uh, and that's what I would And it put me in a good state of mind even back then. Uh, because you knew spring was arriving, and it was a little hot out, but not hot enough to the point that if we had air conditioning, we would turn the air conditioning on. So the windows were up, and then I'd take the nightcap and the lantern out. <laughs> right. That makes total sense. Uh, right by St. Gabriel's, and I'd relieve myself curbside. Yep. And then so, I'd walk back up the alley, and then I'd get ready to go to St. Gabriel's the next morning some, and, some, and come in and dream of doing a one-hour midday show. Some guy screaming, the British are coming. That's correct. Running down Tampa exactly Avenue. Right. I'd uh, see the founding fathers. <laughs> now, I have a question. You said it's called the Norris Division. That's right. Who was? Why was it called the Norris? Why was it not directional and called like named after somebody. You're going to have to wait till Kerber's with us on Tuesday for that. What were the other divisions called? Oh, let's see. It was a Campbell Conference. Oh, boy. Adams, Wales, Prince of Wales. Ah. That's Campbell just strange to me. These were named after uh, guys in the neighborhood. <laughs> oh, God. Makes sense. The Kennedy Division. That's correct. All right. Well, Provincials. Yeah. My example, like for me, like a snow game in Green Bay, that's like a perfect climate with like, a, like when they played the Niners and the snow started coming down and Aaron Rodgers didn't throw a touchdown. Um, rain and nastiness at the, what they call the Open, some call the British Open. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like that's kind of part of it. Yeah, I get what you're, okay, I follow what you're saying there. Like when So the, you're not necessarily saying ideal climate, you're talking about climate that you associate with an event. Kind of, like Okay, a, I follow you. That increases. Yeah, and, and this sucks, what, what you have this week, at yeah. least it's probably tomorrow afternoon and Saturday in, in particular. I think today is going to be fine, although there's a 30% chance of rain. Yeah, it sucks, and it changes from a wagering oh, standpoint. Yeah. But you still don't put <laughs> Kevin Na on 20% of your rosters. Yeah, you just can't. He could have shot a 50, and I would have said it was a mistake. God almighty, what am I doing? I mean, I'm just lighting money on fire around yeah, here. Yeah, you, it's, you know, it's tough. It's tough, Tim, but we're not results-oriented. <laughs> tough. We don't king tough. shame, and we're pro-liberty. Fourth pillar, TBD. Mm-hmm. Um, last question. Now, this one might seem like a kind of an unimportant question, but I find it interesting. 
If you could pick any time zone in America for sports viewing, optimal time zone for sports viewing, which one would you choose? Now, for this exercise, let's assume we all don't wake up at, such a stupid question. at 3 in the morning or 4 in the morning to do radio. Let's say we all wake up at 8 a.m., like a standard 8 a.m. wake up for everybody on the weekday. What would Is be that when most ideal? people wake up? Is 8? It's 7.30. I feel like 7 to 8. Okay. If you're getting to work at 9, you know. Unless well, you're like, like most people who are working don't get up or, or get up before eight, but I could be off the mind. I've been probably getting up at four thirty or five for twenty years, so I don't know. Probably a little bit before eight, but in that in that time frame. Okay, fair enough. So you're operating on eight o'clock as our waking time. That's when yes. we arise. That's when we that's when we rise. That's when our whoop alarms wake us up. Uh, I mean, I feel like the chalk answer is obvious, so that's why I feel like it's a trick question. Well, it's your preference. So I'm saying the chalky answer is Pacific time. Yes. And that would be the play. I like, see, I think Central almost has it. Pacific's a little, 10 a.m. for a football game, 9 a.m. for college. No, I think the question's worse than I did 10 seconds ago. Mountain time. They got it right in the mountains, right in the money. 11 a.m. kickoff for NFL. Uh, if a game starts at 7, the center's 6 there. It just works better. Just that one hour, I think, is ideal. Give me mountain time all day. Wow, controversial take. Uh, Jackson, pro mountain time. 314-399-96. Meanwhile, let's take you out to number four where Tiger Woods has this birdie putt. And he never started it high enough, Roger. Uh, He misses on the low side. He'll have about a foot to tap that in for his par. And he is now at one over as he heads to number five. Meanwhile, our leaders are still on the course. Adrian Maronk at 200. Victor Hovland at 200. Meanwhile, the man everyone is pulling for, P. Reed, is lurking one back and his good friend El Nino is also one back at Augusta National. Uh, Jackson, we'll take a commercial break. What, what are you going to ask me what my favorite f- uh, fruit is in the next segment? I mean, what are we doing here? What's your favorite fruit, bro? <laughs> I like blackberries a lot. I think people sleep on blackberries. Like a real taut black- blackberry. A t- excuse me? Like, you know, like you don't want it too mushy, but like the skin is yeah, I kind of see what you're saying there. Taut. Do you say they're red grapes or purple grapes? Because to me, they look purple, but I think people call them red. Yeah, and they're not, yeah, they're, they're certainly red, but I can see where you're coming from with purple. Because, mm-hmm. like, if you, like, red wine is purple, right? I'd say red wine is redder than grapes are, which are called red. Hmm. And I had a great red grape yesterday with my boys and my Did wife. Did you? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I like it's like grapes. a Norman Rockwell. Uh, we'll talk about our favorite fruit, and then Jackson's going to go really controversial in the final segment, ask my favorite color. So there's a big <laughs> second half coming up. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. It's Balloon Party, driven by Mung and Ass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you. I'm going to call an audible on your favorite fruit segment here because I feel like Jackson is, uh, is, is, I don't know what you're doing. If you have like a some kind of flask on you or if you're doing <laughs> narcotics behind a dumpster, but I just, I'm still confused by the what's your favorite time zone question. But either way, I've got uh, some news here on Missouri and sports gambling. And well, Jackson, it looks like we're running into problems yet yeah, again. Goodness gracious. Groundhog Day. A long-running debate over expanding gambling in Missouri fell along familiar fault lines in the state Senate Wednesday as the latest effort to legalize sports betting again became entangled with the proliferation of illegal slot machines in gas stations and bars. 
And I read from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Despite top leaders pushing to bring sports betting to the state, disputes over legalizing the unregulated video gambling machines, as well as general opposition to gambling, were back on display as lawmakers head into the final weeks of their annual legislative session with the issue unresolved. The Senate debated the bill last night until 8 p.m. as lawmakers and gambling industry lobbyists worked to find a resolution. Uh, Now summarizing the article uh, this morning, you can read it on stltoday.com. Governor, uh, the governor met with um, Mike Parson met with the Royals and the Royals are on the same side as the Cardinals. uh, And that is they both support the initiative the tax rate has moved up from last year's proposed 10% to 15%. And uh, it looks like at this moment it is at a standstill per the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Uh, the thought process is, well, clearly Missourians are going to other states in St. Louis, going to Illinois. Right. If you're on the Missouri side and in Kansas City, you're going to Kansas. And only one Missouri border state does not have sports gambling, and so tax dollars are being lost. The thought process was that there was momentum, just like last year, but just like last year, it is stalling out in the state Senate as of now. The reason, if those of you listening are optimistic uh, or wanting there to be sports gambling in Missouri, uh, that I would say I'd be cautious they are still not over the issues that killed it last year. It's not like there is a new issue. It's the same issue that was causing problems last year. And that issue, as it turns out, is not necessarily anything other than these video games that are in gas stations, that are slot machines. Yeah, it's just, I don't understand why that is. I mean, this is one of the most major ways to infuse money into your state tax revenue. I don't, the only other one would be legalizing marijuana, which they did last uh, election. But uh, this is, I mean, it's just such a no-brainer. And the fact that it's getting held up is really disappointing. It's super disappointing. Well, held up over right. uh, the proliferation of legal slot machines and gas stations and bars. And some of you who may not be all that familiar with the uh, details of the uh, story might be going what? I don't understand. There's these, well, the, the, there is uh, a proliferation, the word that the Post-Dispatch chose to use, of these items uh, that are causing uh, problems. Um, this representative, Denny Hoskins, who is from Warrensburg, uh, said uh, $1 million is a drop in the bucket with regards to compulsive gambling funding. Um, and so he would like to see that increase. He also said uh, Hoskins and May have pushed to legalize video slot machines. So he's saying that he doesn't like uh, the amount uh, earmarked for compulsive gambling programs, but he is uh, also pushing to legalize these video slot machines while also ridding the state of unregulated, untaxed video gambling devices that have flooded gas stations, liquor stores, and other outlets. So that is what is going on with gambling on sports in the state of Missouri. If you thought it was going to happen this year, perhaps uh, it may not happen this year. Your thoughts, 314-399-9646, as the legislation will be on hold until they can get past that particular issue.
So it's not necessarily saying it's damaging. It's not necessarily saying it's wonderful. It's not necessarily saying uh, I'm uncomfortable with this for whatever reason. It's about video games and slot machines and gas stations. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, you look at the priorities of things like legalizing gambling is much more beneficial to the state of Missouri than anything to do with the gas station slot machines and yeah, it's and the fact that this issue is holding it up once again, I'd actually feel better if there was like a. Well, that's what I'm sort of saying because that means issue. they would have remedied this and yeah, then moved right. on to something else, and then you'd feel like they could get momentum because they're negotiating and compromising right. on whatever. But they're still on the same thing that killed it last year. Speaking of a topic that has frustrated people for a long time, this one involves how you watch sports on television. And now Major League Baseball is getting involved with the issue between Diamond Sports and they're deciding not to pay a couple of teams. Uh, So this could be the tipping point for the debacle that is the regional sports networks and the tension over bankruptcy and Major League Baseball. This story breaking here within the last few hours. We'll have an update on that coming up in the next segment. This is Balloon Party, driven by Munganass, St. Louis Acura, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Balloon Party here on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan Action Jackson with you. You'll be able to hear the Blues and the Rangers and number 91's return tonight. Pre-game, 6 p.m. Vladimir Tarasenko and the Rangers in the building. Jackson Burkett will be in the building and you will be on the call. No Chris Kerber tonight. You are going to take over. I'm available. After think, you named the five teams in the Norris division, right. I kind of feel like... I think I'm gaining equity. At this point, I'm surprised Mike Caruso hasn't texted me yet to make sure you're available. I do right. represent you. You do. And I'm very thankful for mm-hmm. that. No problem. Uh, I get but, uh, the standard uh, 40%. Right, right. And that's all, uh, but it's back end. And uh, what I would say, I, I'm always available. I'm ready to go. I think I could be a real asset to the broadcast. I agree. I agree. But even if I'm not there, or I'm not in the broadcast booth, I'll be there and I'll be rooting hard for the boys in the blue note. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about our uh, What local... kind of ovation will we see tonight for number 91? I think it'll be really strong. I, I think, would say so. I think uh, anything less would be disrespectful of such a great player in the Blues organization's history. Uh, and I think it's going to be great to see. I would expect a uh, major ovation tonight for uh, Vladimir Tarasenko. A great piece, by the way, from uh, Jeremy Rutherford. So you talked with him uh, on The Athletic, and you can hear JR throughout the week here on 101 ESPN. All right, I deep-teased it. What a situation this is. I, I, don't, I don't even know what's—I I don't know how this is working. I, you know, it's like I feel like— Baseball's like a bookie, and, and Diamond Sports is like the guy who got in too deep yeah. and put Kevin Na on 18 rosters. Yeah, yeah Kevin Na parlay. <laughs> uh, Major League Baseball filed an emergency motion in the Diamond Sports bankruptcy uh, asking the court to compel the regional sports channel company to pay the Minnesota Twins and Cleveland Guardians rights payments that are overdue. How does that happen? <laughs> it's unbelievable. <laughs> Sorry, we'll get you next month. <laughs> hey, uh, my my dad's gonna be down in Columbia this week, and I think he's gonna give me like a hundred bucks. So if you could just give me till next Monday, I can I can get you then. You're a major league baseball team. Yeah, what's the juice look like on that? Yeah, what is the vig? <laughs> uh, so the Twins and Guardians are not getting paid by Diamond Sports, 
which was at one time a multi-billion dollar operation under the phenomenal operation that is Sinclair. Uh, Diamond's Bally Sports Networks, which filed for Chapter 11 on March 15th, televises 14 MLB teams, including the Cardinals, and three have not been paid, including the Diamondbacks. Uh, MLB is seeking an order by April 13th that would force Diamond to either pay the Twins and Guardians or just terminate the contracts so the teams could take over the broadcasts. Bally Sports North and Bally Sports Great Lakes have continued to televise the Twins and Guardians despite not paying them. <sighs> Should I start a little broadcast company yeah. up? And then just, you know. You could just, from your basement, call hockey games. Yeah, yeah. Like instead of Jack Edwards on the Bruins games, they could pipe you in over the Bruins. I'll the tell playoffs. you I'll pay. No, they won't. I'm just, you know, I guess so they're, the still, they're the still broadcasting the game. They're just not paying them. So here's what the motion said. I'm in awe of this whole thing. <laughs> it's bananas. I'm telling you, dead serious. When I was leaving Mizzou and going on my first television job uh, to begin what you call, again, a Hall of Fame career, and I'm uncomfortable with that, <laughs> but I agree with you. Mm-hmm. In Little Rock, Arkansas, chose Little Rock over Monterey, California. So bad decisions were being right. made, you know, even in the 1990s. And uh, I, w- the one thing that everybody in television agreed, oh, you don't want to work for Sinclair. And here we are a quarter of a century later, and they're still... Uh, so here is what it is. Just one day prior to the April 1st due date for the first 2023 installment of the fees due to the clubs, the debtor RSNs informed the Guardians and the Twins that the debtor would not be making their payments. Wow. The debtor RSNs made the decision, even though they continue to use the club's valuable intellectual property every day. By continuing to broadcast Guardians and Twins games, they generate post-petition revenue, yet boldly refuse to pay the clubs. I would agree with the adverb chosen of boldly. (laughs) Yeah, that is very bold. (laughs) Diamond also has not paid the Diamondbacks, but that occurred just prior to the commencement of the bankruptcy filing, so the team instead is listed as a creditor on the Chapter 11 petition. Several teams noted in the motion that they reserve their rights to join in the motion if Diamond also fails to pay them in the future. These teams are the Diamondbacks, Tigers, Brewers, Rays, and Rangers, not the Cardinals listed there for the record. In the motion, MLB's counsel wrote, the clubs are prepared to take over the broadcasts if needed. Quote, with the 2023 season underway, the clubs are navigating a complicated and fragile situation without certainty in their ability to consistently provide games to the millions of fans who follow professional baseball through daily televised broadcast. MLB's motion was redacted and did not publicly disclose how much money the teams are due, but a source close to Diamond Sports said the Guardians' annual fee is $55 million and the Twins' is $42 million, and they're just not getting paid. But yet, they are still broadcasting the games. Phenomenal. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's a, what a, I, mean, I guess it's a good, de- good deal for sure. What a wonderful deal. Sure, we'll keep our money, and we can just keep broadcasting the games. I don't understand. I, I don't, and the question I have is, so if they don't make that 13th payment, like, say, for the Diamondbacks, and they give the broadcast rights back to the Diamondbacks, do they have the infrastructure to get because I assume they'll have a game the next day to get that broadcast out to their fans. So my understanding on this, and it is all certainly very, right. very fluid, is MLB Network would okay. take what is in, in the case of the Diamondbacks in the Phoenix area, and then broadcast it. That is that is the plan for 2023. Now, right. this is not the long-term right, right. plan. So logic would dictate that if this were to go down and again, April 13th is the drop-dead date, so this is fast approaching here. We're a week away. Uh, that if this were to happen, 
with the Twins and the Guardians, and they do not pay by April 13th, which, again, is a different situation than Diamondbacks. The Diamondbacks are a creditor. The got Twins it, and Guardians it. are not, and that's the key on this thing. And I know we're kind of getting into the weeds on bankruptcy and, and bankruptcy law, and as somebody who almost graduated uh, from the Missouri Journalism School, I am qualified. I've agreed. I am qualified. You represent me. That, that's exactly right, uh, and that's bankruptcy law. <laughs> yeah, I've couple chapter 11s, but those are dark times. Amen. Uh, Valley Sports North and Valley Sports Great Lakes have continued to televise the games, respectively, despite not paying them. And I just have to say, bold. It's just very bold. And I would assume if that, you know, they do give the rights back to the team and that they stop doing this free broadcast situation, I assume that they'll give it to the fans for free on MLB TV. I don't think that they're going to make them then pay again for something, I mean, I'd be surprised if that happened. It would, and then would you be blacked out I mean, in your home market? I mean, I, I, that's the thing about this. I mean, it is. I, I do. I have to say this, taking a step back outside of just like, hey, we're just going to go rogue and go Christian Slater and pump up the volume. What a reference. Yeah. Well, it's current. Uh, in the long term. I believe that this will be a good thing, not whatever's going on with the Great Lakes operation and uh, Valley Sports North. But in the overall, people are going, hey, isn't it weird in 2023 we can't watch a Cardinal game even though we pay for the service? Right. Now, I would have liked that people would have arrived at this before it would have blown up what has been a very lucrative business model for a lot of teams, and I would put at the top of the list the Cardinals. Because the Cardinals' rights fees relative to the Cardinals' market size is probably the greatest discrepancy the New York Yankees can have the Yes Network because they're in New York. Uh, I was talking with uh, somebody who I regularly communicate with about this, who's in television, not in St. Louis, about this situation. And I asked, would the Cardinals be an organization because they have this Midwest and, and Southern footprint uh, that takes it well beyond the St. Louis area with the fan base, similar to, say, the Dallas Cowboys and how that fan base goes well beyond uh, the Metroplex, and he said the, it's a, the Cardinals are a risk-averse franchise. Those of you in the text inbox, I'm sure, are ready to send something in. <laughs> and it is not a guarantee that it would be profitable. Right Now, as a fan, I would love it. Yeah. I would love, I love a detailed pregame show. I love a detailed postgame show. And throughout the course of the day, whether it be a replay from the previous day's game or like Cardinal Classics and do like 30 for 30 kind of shows, on teams and long-form interviews with with former players and broadcasters, I'd I'd eat that up. But that's looking at it through the mindset of a consumer. We're not talking about the price point. What would the price point be? And then we're not talking about and have no knowledge of the operating costs and whether or not the advertising revenue or the subscription fee would be enough for the Cardinals to profit. Plus, you're taking on that whole thing. And is that something that a team has the appetite to do? Otherwise, are you going to go, say, an NFL route and have everything be under one umbrella and have revenue sharing? That's not going to happen because the New York Yankees don't want to give their piece of the pie to the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Miami Marlins. When it's all said and done, I mean, I'm an MLB TV guy, so I can watch other games. I enjoy being able to flip around, and that's one of the reasons why I continue to rave about the pitch clock and how just wonderful this has been, and also all the stolen bases that we're we're seeing. It's just a totally different thing from just last October. But with that said, then the time comes, oh, the Cardinals and Braves are getting underway, game blacked out. And it's just so strange. And this takes me back to a story I did on KMOV two decades ago. Gary Pinkle got in trouble for this interview he did with me. 
we were talking about the Big 12 TV contract. And I just kind of, it was a throwaway question at the end of kind of a preseason sit down interview I did with him. And this was like 2002 or three. It was right around Brad Smith's first year. And I said, hey, just out of curiosity, and I was only asking just because I was pissy about it. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, you can't, we can't watch on television unless you're playing Nebraska or Texas or Oklahoma. And I said, so just what's your opinion on the Big 12 TV contract? And I'm paraphrasing here because it's been a couple decades. He goes, well, it's our position that the Big 12 TV contract is, you know, is unacceptable. And, and the issue was not only could, could Missouri fans, and I'm talking about college football fans around the country, unless they had a premier team, they weren't on television. Secondarily, with the Big 12, the revenue was split such that half of the pool, let's say it was $100 million just for easy math, yeah. $50 million was chopped up amongst 12 schools. Okay? Mm-hmm. So you get your $4. million if you're Missouri right, and right, whatever right. other butt-ass was out there at the time. But then, if you got paid, you got paid per appearance. So guess what? Texas, Texas A&M, yeah. Nebraska at the time, Oklahoma. Yeah. They're, those schools are mainly chopping up the other $50 million. And I remember interviewing Mike Alden. I go, so the rich get richer on this. He goes, yeah, you could say that. I interviewed the commissioner of the Big 12, and, uh, and he was disappointed, so to speak, that Pinkle had said what he said. But eventually it changed. And now, if Missouri weren't on TV, even if they're playing one of the randoms they play in September, you'd go, what in the world? Yeah, be- well, why isn't a what in the world that a Major League Baseball team in 2023 can't be seen in their home market? Yeah. And you can subscribe to YouTube TV but not have it? It's just asinine. You want to talk about growing the game with pitch clocks? Let us see the damn thing. (laughs) Anyway, I'm all for what the people who are running Valley Sports North and Great Lakes are doing. If you can broadcast the games and not pay for it, have at it. Your expenses are really limited when you don't have to pay. It's a hell of a business model. I think uh, little Nicky Santoro was on that plan when he was gambling in casino. Joe Pesci. He didn't need to necessarily pay. And no. Don Rickles was sideways with him over the whole thing. Time for us to shut it down. BK and Ferrari are up next for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party, driven by Mungadass, St. Louis Hacker, and Alton Toyota on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.